Hello ladies and gentlemen I'm Kumara Raghavendra and welcome to another episode of Product Stories This is a podcast where I cover topics relating to product management design technology and business with experts in the industry from across the globe Today's guest is Siddharth Varshni who is the head of New Global Consumer Initiatives at Cactus Communications I've known Sid for over 8 years now from the time we worked together back at Reliance Geo. Back then he was the go-to person for validating new ideas and business cases. This was because he had a keen sense of how things came together and anything that passed his scrutiny stood a good chance of doing well. He has since worked at InfoEdge where he was the product head for the new homes business and now he leads the suite of products under the Research Life umbrella at Cactus Communications which we'll talk a little more about today. given his valuable experience in taking multiple products from 0 to 1 a phrase that peter thiel has popularized the focus of the episode today is on taking products from 0 to 1 how to go about it and dealing with the challenges that come with it hey sir welcome to the podcast thanks for taking the time to talk to me today it's an interesting conversation that i'm hoping we're going to have today about taking products from 0 to 1 and given your experience with doing this in not one but two different places at reliance you on a specific set of products and now again at cactus it'll be great to hear your perspective on what you've done in this space how your approaches have been what your learnings are so when we talk about uh, taking a product from 0 to 1 where does one start when faced with such an opportunity and what have been some of your key learnings in working on such products thanks kumar for inviting me here absolute pleasure to discuss on topics you know which i am very passionate about like products technology startups so hoping for an interesting conversation which our audience will also enjoy uh, yeah i think 0 to 1 uh, is a very interesting concept applies to many of the startups uh, and my experience of working in two of these uh, at very different stages i must say i think it just gives a few perspectives that uh, the first basic learning is you have to start with the zero when right? when you're saying zero to one uh, when you join a company as a product manager at that stage you know uh, the first thing you have to do is you know just enjoy that blank slate for a few days uh, not rush into execution you're not there to you know just do tasks and all so basically it's a blank slate you have to uh, start with that zero you have to trust yourself that you can make things happen the biggest piece there what you have to solve is that you have to try and get an understanding of the domain so basically if the domain is new it's even harder for you right so the domain the user the market if there are any existing solutions any solutions which are tangential you know to the user needs that you are trying to you know uh, discuss or solve just try and grab that understanding right and just don't try and commit to doing tasks rather you know just try and build in a overall picture of what the user is looking for uh try and pictureize how you will solve this try and put this into what you very roughly say right a block diagram try and connect those dots and then try and build in these pieces one at a time build in those dots you know uh, there will be some days where you'll have yes i figured out something very interesting some days you may just go deeper into but you'll realize talking to users that hey what i was thinking was not the the most important thing there is something else right so there will be a lot of figuring out so the biggest learning is being patient trying to not overthink it that hey where do i start with i think uh, embrace that you have a clean start you are the product manager who or the person who is in charge of you know 
not just launching something but also conceptualizing something from the very start so think about it more and more try and get the problem to consume you know the domain don't rush and i would say simplify it for yourself have that confidence that once you have it clear in your head you will be able to put the right solution out there sometimes it takes a lot of time uh, sometimes you get solutions like you know uh, interesting bulbs in your mind but uh, uh, 0 to 1 is about reimagining things right and reimagination doesn't happen every day it doesn't happen like with time box uh, schedules it happens when you are truly putting yourself in the shoes of your consumer trying to understand and then uh, whatever way you want to look at the problem in a futuristic way right so zero to one is all about not you know just expanding on or uh, you know just doing things which already others are doing and just doing it at a larger scale it's not about that but reimagining that's what startups you know should be about that if you are able to challenge the status quo the current convention and imagine how a certain thing can be 5 years down the line right try and uh, put yourself into those into those shoes put that thinking hat on and try and conceptualize uh, don't put yourself under targets for the first few weeks one or two months right so that's what i would say the tough space but it has a very very interesting you know charm of its own i would say yeah that's a very interesting way to look at it especially the aspect of connect, being able to connect the dots and not having to time box yourself in a certain way so th- this brings up an interesting thing for me when you operate on slightly more established products you're looking at metrics that are clearly measurable you're trying to hit targets which are movements in those metrics and those derive what you want to do as an improvement for a product or just define some of the ideas that you want to work on but going from 0 to 1 you don't really know what that one is and that's the beauty of it as well but the flip side of it is you also find it harder to set specific targets to go after and plan in a more effective way how does planning differ when you on when you are in such a situation as compared to a more more mature product yes it's uh, it's quite different because you know the the objectives for a mature product would be very different uh then a new product right so new product uh, typically you also get to define your north star metric so that's a very interesting thing uh, i mean to do as a product manager when you're looking at a mature product it's already would have established a product market fit right and you're thinking more of scale uh you have standard metrics standard uh, rules of the game right that you can look up to and uh, just you know take it from there there you have a running business a running product you have users coming to you daily uh, and they are dependent upon you right to, to for their needs to be fulfilled via your product so i i mean at infoage my role was with a established product but uh, there also i mean uh, some of the key elements of a startup i truly lived uh, i mean executing at pace and doing things differently but obviously in greenfield zone right with reliance you where in uh, uh it took reliance a few years to you know from the start of the spectrum buying to eventually launching a very very big scaled portfolio and network it took its while at cactus uh, i mean we had the team had the vision already the senior folks and uh, it was about you know uh, making it real right and while making it real it's different learning so the time horizons have been different and the planning is of course very very different right uh, i mean for example you don't even know what the north star metric is at the start what you're 
you just know a problem statement, you have an abstract vision, but you try and connect it to a real scenario, right? So uh, the time horizons are different. The planning is also different because, you know, if you are taking a set process forward, people have also understood it, people alongside you. Very easy to tell, hey, we are doing X, Y, Z, it will lead to something like this. And then we take this forward like this. Whereas in a new products case, they have not seen anything, right? There is no number to see. There is no product to see. For you to be able to communicate what's in your head and make people understand it the way you do and then take them along in this journey is a very different exercise. So I think there are no fixed time horizons. There is no fixed way of planning in newer products as well. Uh, especially if you have the added complexity that you are needing a portfolio then every product may be at a different stage, even in your mind or in terms of feasibility or a customer's need and all of that. So uh, I think it, the need there is to be flexible. The, the best and the most important thing is if you are able to uh, size out a need that this is the need and this is potentially my one daughter, what you we typically call as MVPs, right? And then I have directions that after MVP, I'll do X, Y, Z. If you have that, I think that's the planning that you can do for a new product. If you try and overdo it, right? Then it leads you into this cycle of forever being planning and not launching something. So the planning cycles have to be looked upon with the goal of launching something fast. I think that's the first metric that you anyways look at in a startup time to market, right? And then obviously you go very custom metrics, you know, uh, depending upon what type of a product, uh, you know, you do. Uh, another thing which is different, I would say is, Let's say, I mean, the only thing that you're after while you're planning for a new product to go out there is to get feedback, right? Uh, you are more fearless. You don't have much uh, to lose. You may just even put out a pitch of the product and let people, you know, look at things. I mean, with a new, with an existing product, this doesn't happen, right? Uh, you have to put something which is an incremental update, at least, of what has been there. So the mindset is slightly different. You're thinking scale, you're thinking... Uh, iterations you're thinking business you're thinking a lot of things with a established product here you're thinking more of feedback quick launch you know and uh, yeah i think just the the whole aspiration to hit a product market fit right is something which is driving you so your planning is very very different that you know i'll do anything for me to put my product out there and try and get users to use it because unless they use use it i'll not know if i've made something suitable or not right so that's how the two things will be very different in my understanding absolutely and uh, this is a great way to actually look at how to go and establish and validate ideas where does the transition actually begin let's say you started with a clean slate like you like you described you had several directions that you could go down maybe you validated something as the right way to go you did an mvp which was probably proving value valuable to users what point do you recognize that this is a this now needs to transition into something that needs to scale versus validating other certify for this that you may have had? So I think it comes in in the journey. There is no single tipping point. I would say right? the product market fit is not. Let's say I mean in terms of nomenclature, when you know you have a product market fit, you would say that I am ready to scale, right? And then you can blitz scale, but. Uh, and I mean, having that product market fit is not something that someday with some number, you will say, yeah, I've made it right. I think during the course of this journey, 
uh, when you hit some roadblocks, you overcome them, something starts to happen, right? Uh, you start to feel more confident, right? Uh, I mean, very recently, last year, we launched a beta product, just as an example, right? For a year, uh, we battled hard, we made few releases, we tried to get more feedback, we hit uh, 10,000 users in roughly in uh, 10 months or so. But then from that month, uh, two months later, we are now standing at 60,000. So 6x, smaller numbers, but 6x, right? Uh, so it's a part of that journey, right? And it goes exponential. Uh, and uh, even with these numbers, you won't say it's a product market fit because you establish a product market fit maybe for a very small segment of your users who try and who start to value and say that, yes, this is a product which is solving a need. And if this product, let's say, doesn't exist, I'll be very disappointed. So some people start to say that. Then you try and you know think about who are people who are relatively happy but are not at this stage you try and convert them once you have a sizable chunk of these people then you try and see that you know in this niche probably i have a product market fit right let me then go further and try and solve this problem for another audience right so i mean in the industry which i am leading this product for cactus it's researchers right and researchers are very different in terms of uh, uh, the subject areas, right? The, their research is very, very different. So you can't say a biomedical researcher is the same as a guy in physics or theology, right? Uh, and say, I mean, a guy in China is doing the research the same way as a guy in US or Brazil or Philippines. So in your journey, you would say that, hey, at this stage, my product looks to be solving a need of a biomedical researcher. Uh, and uh, probably the guys who, I mean, who are more in the European market, let's say, they are happy with my product. So you'll try and build on that. Then you'll say, okay, let me try this country, this, uh, you know, subject area. If the product works at a certain stage, you would have already started to scale up. Scale ups would happen in a certain proportion. Some months you'll have, let's say 10%, 20%, 50% sometime, right? But at a certain stage where you feel that, you know, uh, now in my industry, I have a 40, 50% mass of my users who are hooked, right? And my product is made its mark to them and i'm very confident that others will also like it then you'll probably think of scaling it up but i'm i'll rather say not at that moment only but that journey would have already started as you would have started figuring out in different geographies different niches right that yes if it's making a difference let's scale here let's try out a different geography uh it works there scale the first one even more start more on second let's evaluate a third so basically it's a journey and uh, not a single point transition Right. And th that's actually a good segue to understand a little more about what Cactus does and the space of the life of researchers as well. Uh, as I understand, Cactus is primarily looking to enhance the lives of res researchers, make their lives simpler, easier to manage in terms of the work that they do. What is the real opportunity space around here? And especially given this is a space that is probably new to both me and to many of the people who might be listening to this. It'll be good to understand what this space is about and where the opportunity lies. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very niche space, as you said, right? Uh, uh, niche space uh, in terms of, you know, uh, there'll be what, 10 million or very serious researchers out there in the globe to include some uh, other folks who are, you know, either early career folks, PhD students and all of that. Still, you'll get to a 50 million or something like that. So it's not a typical mass market consumer space uh, but these guys uh, these are people you know the way different segment behavior is very different uh, uh, 
uh, these are essentially people who are putting their lives for many many decades you know to solve the needs of humanity i mean must have read there one researcher she worked on something for four decades struggling for publication struggling for funding a lot of things and her work actually was the foundation of one of the vaccines which came out of covid right so that's the kind of work these people do uh, now cactus has been in the space for now 19 almost 19 years and the space is more around uh, so cactus has been offering services different services around editing and uh, you know translation and other needs in this space now this opportunity which i am leading or the rather the initiative which i am leading is around uh, putting together an ecosystem of products and services a technology driven ecosystem right which can um, solve the needs of these researchers and i mean the typical use cases i would say uh, we are looking to reimagine many many uh, aspects of researchers lives in this right that's why the initiative is also called researcher.life uh, i mean if i were to elaborate on a few and maybe compare it to what we see as normal consumers so if you read news news articles or in general articles around you know product or any kind of a thing and if you are registered on certain blogs certain sites you you typically don't have to search right these articles come to your inbox or your apps typically tell you what to read and you are quite happy reading it right uh very surprisingly for researchers right who have to read a lot of research uh you should say that with this age of i mean with this advancement of technology ideally they should be getting research papers to read like easily right but it doesn't happen they spend half of their time figuring out what to read searching what to read and then half the time actually reading it right similarly if you think about their publication journey uh you know researchers have to publish their research i mean in order to for it to make any kind of an impact right so that's why they have to look out for journals publish their manuscripts get an article published so they do a lot of work in writing and then they submit to a journal right it's a very opaque transparent and uh, not non transparent publication process after many months they get to hear a no right that your article cannot be published with us for so and so reason so they go ahead and submit this article again to a new journal cycle repeats if it's another no cycle repeats so basically they spent uh many months just looking at you know uh i mean getting their research published and that's not their core job if you are a virat kohli or a rohit sharma i mean playing is your real job you don't figure you don't have to figure out your uh, other things around your life they are actually figured out but for researchers it's not even with this technology right the publication space needs to be reimagined right uh, and i think uh, more than the opportunity in terms of numbers right this is an opportunity to reimagine a lot of areas like publication research discovery uh the emotional angles around a researcher's life and all of that right that's what is the biggest uh, thing which is uh driving me and a lot of my team members around this initiative and that's what i mean so these are people i mean academia or researchers these are people who are doing a lot for us uh, these are the hidden you know heroes in a way but the technology is not serving them the way it should so that's what is a gap that's what is an opportunity that if we establish an ecosystem if we try and you know uh, give researchers the tools that they need so that they don't waste time so basically saving their time means they will do more research they'll make more impact with their research and the better the world would be right so it's a more uh, yes it's a 
it's a business unit but i would say in terms of uh, reimagining uh, things for the world right and for uh, a, a niche audience inside this universe that's the major opportunity that we are after that's a great summary i guess and uh, especially when you mentioned this there are three to four broad areas that you could be investing in solving problems be it discovery be it the publication process itself and each of these are in a area as you highlighted there where there's huge opportunity and potential for making the process better now uh, starting at a place where you are addressing this space you could be addressing any of these broader areas and there could be smaller solutions within these areas how would you define a strategy for your you and your product team as to what you should be focusing on and what time horizon do you look at and how do you contrast this with something like an influence where you had again probably similar portfolio of products but all ones that were already existing and had certain traction in the marketplace yeah absolutely i think uh, the there are some uh, differences in a, in in the core ways of thinking and prioritizing in a in a you know in case of a new product versus a existing product and even in case of a greenfield opportunity versus something where you're scaling up right so if i were to look at how we were doing on at infoedge with 99 acres uh, you know uh, there were also instances that we launched a very different product portfolio so we took risks we reimagined how you know uh, users let's say you know are today researching around homes so new homes in a way right how you were typically researching 8 years back on a classified platform just looking at listings right was very very you know rudimentary in a way right because the actual promotions of projects doesn't happen in that way right so we in a way my job there was to put together first a research experience around new homes to users right so in a way it was relaunching uh you know the experience that a user has currently and just reimagining it in a very different way it also involved launching a very different product portfolio for let's say advertisers but essentially the goals were there uh, that the platform you know has to enable people to you know make a decision and that decision is around whether i like this home or not right it's not conversion per se that i have to just make my platforms convert users to leads but uh, looking at uh, you making users making a decision right so uh, that's where uh, you you were clear from the grounds up that this is the metric and obviously on the advertiser side they are there to you know uh, you know because the eventual experience after your site has done its bit right will happen on the ground and they'll have to take care of that right whether it's the site visit or whether it's you know the final purchase so essentially you're connecting that whole journey you have to ensure that the seller gets its roi the user gets the value of its time so roi not in terms of monetary sense but time investment maybe right so but you are clear from the grounds up that this is the space here uh, obviously because it's not a singular product with researcher life uh, the thing is i i can attack any aspect of uh, you know the users problem and just build a product right i can build a product in publication space i can build a product in discovery space i can build a product in you know uh, com- community space learning space right and there the planning goes into i think the biggest piece is the prioritization becomes even more important uh, and uh, you can't be doing too many things otherwise you spreading thin one other difference there that the question comes to actual in fact 
questions which not just from a product perspective but from an organization's perspective you'll have to battle it out one is when you're looking at a singular product right you have a brand name you have everything and especially if it's an ongoing product it's not a big deal right you're not thinking about it but when you're putting together a portfolio right putting together a platform uh, you are thinking about what's my brand main brand name you're thinking about what are my sub brands what do i promote where and all of that so branding becomes a critical piece you have to develop technical capabilities which you know are more platform like basically single sign on and all of that it becomes complex uh, and uh, you know the other aspects around uh, uh, what do you say as you know if you have to look at publication in itself it can be a giant thing how further do you go into that is always a question should you do mvps into five different areas should you do one major take me one major space and do a larger mvp how do you go and attack that right that's another piece and the last piece is a build versus buy kind of question which is always a part of the planning right in an established product you typically know what you can build buy question will be there integrate question will be there and you just have to you know you know uh, put the right foot forward that this piece makes sense to build this piece i'll build uh, sorry integrate and this piece i'll rather buy right from somewhere in the case of building a green field where you have many aspects to touch upon for a user's life it's actually not a question of build versus buy versus integrate it's a question of it's a point that you'll have to do all of them but it's a thing that which one should you build versus which one should you buy right at this at a very mvp level thing right even a small thing let's say a push notification right if it's a existing product and you're planning around giving that kind of a functionality in your app to your users for established product you'll say okay fine this is one of the items in my roadmap let me get it built and it's fine right you know uh, this is something that in my business if i feel that's part of my competitive you know uh, differentiation in the longer run that i give a research experience i build but here you know that there are different aspects different mvps that you already picking up you there is no question of build in this uh, particular use case you would have to think about what's the right platform this this integrate so that all of your mvps have this capability so the planning you know the questions that you are trying to answer are very very different and obviously the conversations with a user are more deeper are more frequent because you are trying to get your understanding at a very very grassroots level that i'm thinking this idea does it make sense even you're discussing that idea with a consumer whereas with an established product the ideas are largely validated right you have iterations to plan so basically for those iterations you have very pinpointed studies you have very pinpointed interviews here uh, i mean one insight in very i mean let's say one or two insights in your interviews can potentially bring up a very different product in your portfolio when you have this kind of a green field so uh, that's how it, it is and uh, that's where uh, i mean uh, in terms of planning you cannot make it too centralized too many running pieces you rather should have decentralized decision making where different aspects are handled by, by different people and they are uh, empowered and accountable to take those decisions right they just move forward things forward fast whereas for an existing business uh, uh, obviously there also it shouldn't be com- committee kind of a decision making if you are in a tech kind of a background but still you have a lot of things at stake right so uh, there are different functions already maybe which are working with you in the product team there's marketing there is sales there is 
uh, user research, there is, you know, tech, there is all of them. Everyone has a say, everyone has a point, right? Because they have had learnings also. So how you handle stakeholders in your planning process is also very, very different in, in a greenfield versus you know, established product. Right. So with this context, let's go back to one of the points you mentioned earlier about having to hire and build a team at Cactus. And uh, when you're approaching a newer area where a lot of things are still to be validated, a lot of th things still need to be invested in, how do you look at creating a team in terms of responsibilities? What kind of people fit into such a team? And how would you look at delegating different responsibilities when building out such a team? Interesting point. So yeah, I think building a team in this scenario is a fairly difficult task, you know, and this was my first experience to build a team in a startup scenario, right? Uh, typically what I have realized that uh, you cannot have the same set of people in a very early startup stage versus the mid startup stage versus a, you know, a more settled organization. The skill sets are very different. Obviously some people make it through, right? Some people are adaptable. They uh, do different roles. They adjust and they are able to you know come out with flying colors but there are people who are very very good in terms of you know uh, working with early stage startups there are people who are very good with mature organizations and some people in the middle phase right uh, so it's a question of generalist versus specialist as well right at the very early stage uh, potentially you do not look at a very very you know streamlined or a very narrow skill set you rather will go with a generalist that if this person comes on board, he will not be, you know, he will not have boxes in his thinking, right? So if he is given a designation of a product manager for the sake of a designation, right? He's still acting as an owner, which means that he is looking at not just the product development part of it, which typically in product, a lot of people just hinge around product development as their main role, right? He has to think about the user. He has to think about daily conversations with them is to think about data to think about analytics is to think about partnerships in a lot of products content uh, you know uh, each conversation that the product is having with the consumer right and by conversations i mean that conversation could be via the app it could be a session on the web it could be an email it could be a push notification the person has to manage everything right so you need a person who can do multiple things right who is looking to take and responsibility forward, think of a product as its own, as its baby, right? And just looking to take that person forward is not very narrow-minded in terms of, you know, uh, thinking that, hey, this is my role or that is be my role is this and all that. There is no fixated role in a stage startup, right? And it's true for a founder, it's true for executives and it's true for uh, people who are joining the startup as employees in various degrees of, you know, uh, experience. So that I think is a mindset that you would want to hire people with, right? You'll want to have people who are thinking about the initiative, thinking about the company and not very much about their own, you know, uh, you know, what's in it for them, what's their particular line of growth and all of that. Those people may not fit in or may not even like it at this stage, right? But later on when you're planning a team, right? And when you're going to more of a mature product, you require a certain skill set, right? So for example, in the early stage, you may not require sales, right? Because it's a founder's job. It's an executive job to also sell. It's, I mean, a product will not sell itself. You will have to make that initial push, right? Even individually. Now, 
at a certain stage when your company grows to you may require sales people with a certain you know bent of mind with a certain skill set and it's fine to have them on board at that stage right and this i'm taking sales as an example but it's true with uh, tech it's true with product uh, so those you know specialists start to come on board and their company or team starts to take a very different shape as the thing goes along this i mean and there is no set template as well right plenty of examples that we would have already all of us would have already heard about uh, you know something's going well something's going right but as a rule more of you know generalist in the initial stage of the company and then uh, as you move forward uh, you see what where your each of the products is going to right and then you take calls right yeah that definitely makes sense uh being someone who's transitioned successfully from managing individual product lines to a portfolio of products what would your advice be to other product managers who are making such transitions or who are looking to make such transitions as to what new skills they should be indexing themselves on what should their focus shift towards because what they were probably previously doing is not enough to transition to a different kind of an operating model or different kind of an approach that they would have to take yes so i mean handling a individual product versus a portfolio or a suite of products is very different it requires a way a, i mean it requires a different mindset right with your one single product that you're owning right sometimes you're too heavily involved you want to take all the decisions you want to be there in every discussion right? and control the things you Uh, you know, uh, you keep you looking at very sim- simple aspects like even e- each email and you know every stand up becomes important for you, right? Uh, even if it's important and it's to be done for let's say five products, it's impossible to do it when you have five products, you know, and you have to look at each. Uh, so basically, there the complexity is that uh, not only it's from one to five or six or whatever products that are there in your portfolio. but each of those would be interconnected as well right they will not be individual standing boxes you know so when you evolve an ecosystem specifically like you if you take uh, you know google as an ecosystem right if you take how closely these products are integrated you book a flight ticket you add your gmail id on your you know uh, on any kind of an app that you using for booking you just put your email id gmail id you see how your google experience on your mobile you know it starts to tell you about you know something about that flight when should start so maps is doing something on the background feeding google interface uh, it will be telling you that how's the weather like in that new city where you're going to so something else is you know triggering that in there are reminders from gmail there are plenty of things will start to happen right so especially if you are building such kind of an ecosystem right your focus would be largely on interconnects and user experience throughout and you can't i mean it's impossible to go into every singular element then of a different product which brings me to the point that as i mentioned earlier you have to go into a decentralized decision making you have to empower people to take decisions right uh, and you have to just say that you know you're launching mvps every area uh, let's see how things are you know going and then you are taking calls every Three months, every six months, to see which are the areas to double down, which are the areas to you know maybe shrink. And uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, prioritization, be very very bullish. I mean, if you are trying to please everyone in that concept that you know we have five different products and all five will get their share of the pie, and you'll all will be happy. I mean, ultimately, it's not going to cut it. Right. So you have to be very 
very, very pinpointed in terms of what priorities you see at a particular stage, take them forward and uh, make decisions fast right, in that regard. So the product portfolio, as I also mentioned, right, what to build, what to buy, what to integrate becomes an even bigger question. Developing a common platform becomes a very different question altogether because you build four products of five that may not have a significant impact, the fifth product. But each of your products, if it's behaving independently and not connected by a, let's say, a single signing experience or a single payments experience, or let's say these appear very different, right? Then uh, your brand is not going to make it in a way, right? So essentially developing that horizontal layer comes also into picture. Uh, so uh, in in this, this kind of a scenario, you'll have to also take your people into confidence, right? Because essentially, if they're working on a product, and the next day you're saying, you know, this product, let's not do something on this. Let's you do this, right? It can't be that dramatic shift, right? So you'll have to manage people's expectations, manage, set those expectations, right? Embrace that ambiguity. Let your team also embrace that ambiguity that it's not a very settled goal. Uh, in, in terms that, you know, we are only launching a movie ticket booking service. Here, let's say, if, I mean, a movie ticket booking app even if the guys have ideas around food delivery, they may not, you know, next day put it into operation. But when you're talking about an interconnected ecosystem, if you have an idea, I mean, basis of few conversations around any other aspect, you will still try and take it up, do an MVP there, right? So because the, the what do you say, that the zone is wider for you in a portfolio of products or let's say an ecos product ecosystem, uh, you typically tend to also you know, go into different directions very easily. And this happens with everyone, right? Senior folks, junior folks, why are we not doing this? This looks very interesting, right? So this just magnifies for a suite of products to a scale of 10x, let's say, than a single product because in a single product, you have a sub-boundary, right? You have some boundary. With a ecosystem, you don't have that boundary. So yeah, I think that's to be cautioned about and that's to be managed that uh, you don't keep changing your priorities and you don't you know change keep changing your goalposts uh, like every single day with newer ideas coming in in different areas you still have some kind of a you know uh, not a full-fledged process but still some process some guiding principles uh, and a very very strict prioritization as I said right and you have to let go of that thing in your mind that you know I have to take these calls I'm I, I mean if four products are there, five products are there, uh, you can't, you have to just realize that. Right. Yeah, that's a good framework to look at it. Uh, in terms of taking products from zero to one, you've already spoken about some of the things that you found exciting, that you've found as good things, uh, good experiences, be it in terms of uh, being able to shape the destiny of a product or taking validating newer ideas that fit into the vision of the overarching vision of a company. But what have been some of the challenges that you faced in this working in this environment? I think, uh, see the bigger piece, there is a, I mean, one is ambiguity, right? In zero to one, there is a lot of ambiguity, but if you as an individual embrace ambiguity, you'll find it. Uh, but even if you are able to embrace it, the point is uh, not everyone in the team, right? Will be on the same footing around uh, ambiguity, a lot of decisions changing things, changing, you know, uh, pivots happening, user feedback coming in, you 
you're going off your roadmap doing something else which you think more important so i think communication is very important because you are building a team at the same stage as you're launching things out and you have to ensure that people are thinking in the same direction as you are thinking and they are being taken along right in any kind of decisions any kind of thought process change if feedback is coming in right that's shared so i mean that's the thing right if uh, typically when you have an established product you have metrics coming in you have presentations you have everything right there's set processes and when you see numbers you have things going on people know that something is happening right with a zero to one scenario when you're imagining reimagining things right you launch something for a few weeks some nothing happens right then obviously people ask questions and i mean you have to ensure that uh, what you are thinking at that point and if you think that you know this is the product market fit journey this something will happen in two months five months whatever if you have in mind it's important people know that even if there is a single feedback which is coming from the users it's passed along to everyone because that is the thing which is keep them going in the same direction so i think communication is a very very uh, you know big thing and this journey itself of product market fit right uh, uh, to be honest for some products it can be very very tiring i mean you may spend you i mean we have all heard stories about products where it didn't take off for many years right or i mean some products just take off in few weeks uh, so basically this is the phase wherein you will have to uh, keep your cool keep things rolling make sure iterations are happening to your product make sure you're talking to consumers right so handling this phase and the challenges it brings along is in itself a, a very very you know big thing because you're reimagining right you're reimagining for maybe 5 years down the line you think that this will be the case right uh, sometimes it doesn't right and it takes time i mean netflix's journey right still, i mean uh, it was around dvds right but the vision was always about you know uh, something which is more uh, much much different in experience and we see, see that today right but it didn't start like that right so i think that journey that something clicks and in that phase what do you do how do you do how do you take your people along that's a very big challenge in in the in the in a zero to one scenario absolutely i think that's a great point on communication i i was recently reading this book called startup ceo where the biggest uh, job of a ceo as uh, the author highlights is around the narrative or the storytelling being able to tell convince everyone about the vision about the way to look at prioritization the way to evaluate progress etc and that's very much true of a product manager as well especially at an early stage product and before we wind up one final thing in terms of uh, having this experience taking products scaling them and validating ideas have you thought of uh, doing this by yourself in terms of starting up what are your thoughts or advice to people who are thinking about doing something like that from a product background so i would say i think uh, you have to enjoy that journey i think uh, ideas will come along but uh, my only suggestion would be that uh, you know how quickly can you do something around that idea that it's a, it's a reality right then obviously whether you even have a business or not will be something which happens later on but do you have something as an offering out there which real people use uh, otherwise a lot of people plan startups a lot of people have things written with them you know great ideas great business models and all of that 
uh, it's nothing till you know you have something out there which even if a few people right a few hundred people or a few let's say 40 50 people also say that yes this looks good i mean i'll use it as a person right as a user i mean till that time uh, it's not even a real startup right? uh, uh, so my advice would be to you know take things out as fast as you can and iterate i mean don't hesitate in you know uh, the fact that you would have put out something which is not pleasing to the eyes or you know has some issues uh, it it happens i mean that that's why it's a startup right uh, and uh, your users also the people who are your early adopters typically these are the people who who look away from these things in a way they, they ignore some of these if this is an offering which can i mean which can just solve one of their big needs i think focus on that uh, and uh, be closer to your consumers right uh, that's the only thing that can make you fly in a startup fantastic it's been a real pleasure hearing about all of this thanks for sharing your insights and experience and thanks for in the future sometime thanks if you like this episode do share it with others or leave a review so that others can hear about it until next time Thank you.